world we know is gone. No Google, no Amazon.com, no email, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Happy Halloween, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Walking Dead TV podcast. My name is Jordan. This is Russ. This is John. And this is Brad. And we are super excited to discuss the first episode of The Walking Dead on AMC, Days Gone By. So, everybody, before we get into the actual discussion of the episode, what did you think? Were you happy? Just off the top of your heads. I was ecstatic. Yeah, I was very pleased, even after seeing the extra footage that I had seen at the con, uh, this still delivered big time for me. I can't think of one thing about it that I didn't care for. It was just everything I had hoped it would be and more. I'm very, very happy with it. Well, you know what? I'm happy that we're all happy because it would really suck to do a podcast on a show that blew. (laughs) Okay, Yeah, it would, certainly. And to be honest, I mean, we've all read the comic, but even having read the comic, I was still on the edge of my seat the entire episode. So I don't think I could ask for anything more than that. But we're going to get into the actual discussion of the episode a little bit later. We've got all kinds of fun stuff today. We've got some news about the series. We've got the winner of our contest with Media Junkyard to win all six Walking Dead hardcovers and some other great Walking Dead zombie prizes and uh, voicemails, all kinds of other fun stuff. So what do you say we get right into it, gentlemen? How about some news to start things off? We had a couple of Walking Dead news items since we last recorded. And I think I'd like to lead with the Image Comics announcement that they're going to be reprinting all of the Walking Dead issues weekly starting in January. Hang on a second. Let me look for my booing noise. Here we go. I'm sorry. I just think that's ridiculous. Really? Tell us why. (laughs) Okay, what's the only reason they would be doing that? Is it because the reading public uh, can't get the comic any other way? Of course not. We've said before, it's in trade paperback format. It's in hardcover format. It's in ginormous compendium trade paperback format. It's in slipcase hardcover omnibus format. Do we really need a weekly? It's even in day and date digital format now. Do we need a reprint? Yeah, but that's new stuff. We're talking this old stuff. It's like, why bother to reprint it and waste trees and paper and whatnot in the age of greenosity when you can just go to Barnes & Noble and pick up the next I think it's utterly ridiculous, and it's nothing but a money grab, and it makes me sick to my stomach. Well, wow. L- let me add this or, a- or ask you as an add-on. If, as, a, as a comic book collector, if you were missing the first 15 issues of The Walking Dead because you weren't buying it from the beginning and then it got way too expensive, would you buy the first 15 reprints now to fill in your collection? As a comic book collector, uh, no. Cause they're reprints. <clears throat> they're reprints. As a fan of the story who might want to one day create my own hardback binding of it you know as, as some of us have done in the past with some of our books yeah i might pick them up pick them up that way so i could have my own you know one of a kind hardcover but 
it really, I mean, really, what's the purpose they did it? It's only to make more money. I just whatever. Yeah, I really have no problem with them doing it. I just don't see what the audience is. The, the only thing I can think of is a lot of people have jumped onto this from trade, and I have that collector mentality. So I started with trade. I'm sticking with trade, and I'm not going to go to the monthlies because I don't want a mix of monthly and trade, and I don't want to double dip. So I don't know if the thinking with this is to f- if, if this is a way to get people to jump back on the monthly train and be able to go back and buy these issues to fill in their collections so they can have – I mean obviously um, there's going to be reprints. But I imagine you could probably find the last 20 to 30 if not 40 issues of this series probably for at or near cover. I'm sure if you went on eBay and bought them in a lot, you could probably find them for a pretty decent price. So you can go back. I wish – that they would be at a more affordable price point, given how many times they've reprinted these. I would like to have seen them at a buck or a buck fifty, because it, you know we did the math on it. Um, I think a few days ago, when the when the news broke, or the day the news broke, we we all kind of emailed each other and figured it out. And it's like the trades are still going to be considerably cheaper, especially when you buy them on. Amazon or get them through someplace like in stock trades or something like that, you'll be able to get the, the trades for considerably less than if you went to the comic shop every week and picked it up for two ninety nine. So um that that that's my main gripe is the price point. I I think what they are hoping is that new fans from the show are going to find this and start picking it up every week which I don't know that it's going to be that accessible. And I don't want to um, discourage anybody. I think anybody who ends up loving this show should take this opportunity to find these weekly reprints and, and, and check it out. And you might get hooked on the comic. You might get hooked on comics in general. Um, but you're going to have to go to a comic shop. It's not going to be at your newsstand or the train station. And I think that's the problem that we all scream about as the comic book guys yeah definitely i could i could see again to to brad's point a little bit but if they were to put this in target walmart the newsstand barnes and noble and and have these out there um i think it would make a little more sense because i think yeah casually you might have people that watch the show that that would um pick it up all right so We have a couple of voicemails that I would like to get to because we have to move this along because we have a big, big premiere episode that we want to talk about, and we're all busting at the seams to do that. And we don't want to fall asleep. Yes. I was going to say not to mention falling asleep. Yes. Please do not get too comfortable with the immediate release of the podcast. We're thinking we can keep this up for like the first two shows, and then we'll probably go on, I think, a Tuesday release schedule. Show comes out Sunday, we record Monday, get it out on Tuesday. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. That's about right. Yeah, and and what that will allow also is for us to play tweets and comments from people as they're watching the episode, and then we'll have those ready as we record. Uh, Tonight and next week, it's a little too hectic to get that done, so we're not going to read any tweets that are coming out as people are watching the show, but we hope to do that in the future. I have a question. How would people get an email or a tweet or a voicemail to the Walking Dead TV podcast? Well, Jordan, that is comments at walkingdeadtv.com for email, at WDTVpodcast for Twitter, and 
800-242-7912. If you'd like to leave a voicemail like this. Uh, hey, guys. What's up? It's Renee. Uh, BX from the forums, and uh, I'm on Devil's Advocates. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for doing the show. It's a great way to introduce people to uh, The Walking Dead, both TV show and the comic book. Having seen the, having seen the first episode, um, I was amazed by how good it is. It is one of the best shows I've seen on TV, and we're just talking about the first episode. Um, I'm a huge fan of the comic book. It's one of the comic books that got me back into comic books and gave me hope for comic books, you know, because everything pretty much right now is just was well, really bad when it came out. Um, but again, the show's excellent. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you for doing this. This was a lot of fun just listening to you guys kind of just talk about what we love. Um, I like the changes. They didn't bother me. It was a little kind of uh, weird seeing, you know, characters that we've read about on the screen and, 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 and alive. But um, once you get used to it, it is really, really good. And I hope that this, gets, that this becomes a huge success for AMC and Robert Kirkman and, and everybody involved. Um, but again, guys, keep up the good work. Have a good one. Bye. Well, thanks to Renee. That's uh, a member of the Devil's Advocates Movie Review Podcast. Good friends of ours. And what do you guys think about that? What do you think about seeing characters that you've been reading and you kind of make a voice in your head for them, you know? And now they're out on the screen. Did you find it weird or was it like any other comic book movie that you might see? Or um, It didn't bother me too much. I mean, what what I saw... I guess everybody lined up a little more closely. I guess Rick is not what I would have thought, but um, but it didn't bother me. It it didn't bother me at all. I was really happy as it ended up with Rick. You know, I knew he was an English guy. How is he going to do this? But I I it was almost like I was watching the comic book come to life. I thought it was really really good. All right. Well, we're not going to gush too much on the uh, first episode till we get into the summary. Uh, thanks again to Renee, and I have a, another buddy of ours for our next voicemail. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Mike Pampanel again. Uh, I'm calling because I'm, I'm listening to the last episode, and uh, Jim said something that uh, I just had to chime in on. Uh, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I cannot stand Lori. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, watching the, the previews for it, and... And I'm saying to myself, uh, I knew they had to include her, but at the same time, I did not want to see her. Um, and it was wishful thinking to think that they would uh, rewrite the part, but uh, but no, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, <clears throat> Lori um, just always acts very put upon. You know, the zombie apocalypse is going on around her, and she's very put upon, and poor Lori, and we're all supposed to feel for her somehow, and... And it's very hard to feel for her because of all the things she's done without without you know getting into anything spoilerish. But uh, I just yeah you know I, that that's a character I can completely do without. And uh, so I'm with you 100 percent, Jim. But uh, but she's there. She's a necessary evil. In uh, in a world of zombies, she's a necessary evil. So all right, uh, love the show, guys, and keep up the great work. And I look forward to. Uh, uh, hearing what you have to say about the uh, the first episode. All right. Take it easy, guys. All right. Thanks to The Pamp again for another great voicemail. Well, I think the Lori hate sort of begins uh, at the end of this episode for the TV-watching fans, so maybe we will continue that conversation as we go. 
Uh, we are sorry Jim couldn't make it tonight. I'm sure he would like to respond uh, to Pamp, but uh, maybe next time. So thanks, you guys, for those voicemails. We'd love you to send some of your own so we can play them on our upcoming shows. So let us know what you thought about the pilot, what you thought about episode two as it comes up, and as all the episodes as they come out. You can also contact us, we forgot to mention before, forumforgeeks.com. That's forum, F-O-R, geeks.com. That's the home of the Walking Dead Podcast Network. That's us, the Talking Dead, Walking Dead cast, and Zombie Drill Podcast Lost had a podcast network, but it wasn't really in one place. We decided let's put them all in one place. So if you like Walking Dead and you want as much information as you can possibly get about it, you can find it all in one place. So forumforgeeks.com, the home of the Walking Dead podcast network and Walking Dead TV podcast. What is this Lost show that you speak of? Uh, I'm not really sure. I've never seen it, so I, I can't really say anything. That would have been a great time for Brad to hit his little sound effect. Maybe next time. Continue. But anyway, we, now that we've gone through our... Thank you, Brad. Now that we've gone through those those responses, uh, let's get into the actual episode discussion. And don't forget, guys, we got the contest winner coming up later on in the episode, so keep on listening for that. Brad, why don't you start us off with the rundown for episode one, Days Gone By. All right, let's get to the good stuff. We have a, the tease for the show. The show starts out with our, what's the word, protagonist? Is that the word? That would be correct. I was never a, an English major. Our protagonist, Rick, is looking for gas. He's walking. He's walking through a mess. He, there are abandoned cars everywhere. Um, he finds, he stumbles upon a gas station that has a sign hanging up that says, out of gas. So at this point, he's like, he doesn't know what to do. So obviously, we're, we're kinda, we kind of picked up the show after things have started. So this is, this is a neat way to pick it up, I think. Uh, he's walking around. He's looking. He hears something. He turns around. He sees what appears to be a little girl walking through this mess. Sees her from behind as she's walking away from him. She's wearing a robe, wearing slippers. She's carrying a stuffed animal. He says something to her. says, hey, little girl, it's going to be okay, little girl. She slowly turns around to reveal that, uh-oh, she's been zombified. And she starts coming towards him slowly, surely, as zombies do. He looks resigned to the fact he knows what he has to do. So he pulls out a pistol, shoots her in the head, shoots this little girl in the head. Boom. That's our tease. That's the way the show starts. What a way to start this show. I was, I was floored when, when I saw this. I was surprised they didn't cut away or anything when the bullet hit her. You see the bullet hit, she falls, hits the ground, and blood's everywhere, and it's uh, the beginning to The Walking Dead. I thought that was a very bold choice to start the show. I, I, I'm curious as to how that's going to, you know, what the, what the mainstream is going to, you know, think as we, over the next couple of days, we hear, you know, reactions and stuff. I, I, can, I can imagine that some people might be a little, you know, overly shocked because it's, I, I guess it, I could even see where it wouldn't be as big of a deal if it was in the middle of the episode, but to start out that way, that's, that's a bold choice. Now, our, one of our listeners, Chris Moses, he wrote in and with a couple thoughts that I'll sprinkle in throughout this uh, recap. But one of them was, he says, I don't know why they had to begin the episode with killing a little girl zombie. Don't enough zombie movies begin with a similar scene? And the only one I could think of uh, was the remake of Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead a few years back. But it didn't necessarily open directly with that. It just had a girl zombie in the beginning. Um, can you guys think of any others? Or what, what do you think about that comment? Well, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but I would like to say that the, part of the reason 
that I liked it so much, the opening that is, is because of the next scene. You, you know, they, they went with the typical zombie action horror movie opening, but then they go right into the personal relationship between the characters, which I'm not going to say anything else because Brad's going to get to that next. But that really showed me that this is the comic come to life because... So you enjoyed the tonal juxtaposition. Absolutely. And, and the relationships are, are so important um, in the source material that they almost said, look, you know, we're this, but we're also this. And they switched to this next dialogue uh, bit that Brad's going to get to, I would imagine, momentarily. Yeah, I just would like to point out, if you're going to start out a show that everybody knows is about zombies, if you had started the show with this next scene, I don't know, man, somebody, you know, why not hit the hit the ground running instead of waiting five minutes to then see some action? You know, I just think it was a, it's a good hook. It's a good way to keep people going. Holy crap, if that's how this show starts, what's the rest of it going to be like? I couldn't agree with you more because while the next scene, and we'll talk about that when it comes up, but why it certainly fits more with the AMC tone, that character development, and it's certainly an important scene for the rest of the series going on. But while that certainly feels more like AMC, AMC's audience is very dedicated, but it's very small. So they need to be able to hook in the people who just see commercials or check out a podcast or see pictures online with that first scene so that they'll stick through the next character development to get to some more zombie kills. So while... Yeah, it might be a little cliche to start off a zombie movie with a zombie kill. I think it's an important uh, decision that they made, and I think they made the right choice in that case. Then, of course, we'll see the open to the show, which we'll see every week. Name of the show. We see our characters. We see the actors' names. How about that score, by the way? Love the Bear McCreary music behind that. Yeah, it was really nice stuff. And as a a video editor, I I really enjoyed the the way the whole – the way the whole show is edited, I think, is really good. But the open really grabbed me. I thought it was awesome. So, and it, it definitely feels like AMC. Um, it feels like Breaking Bad or Rubicon's open. Not so much uh, Mad Men's, but it definitely feels like it was done by the same people who did Breaking Bad's theme and uh, Rubicon's. We uh, we're gonna visit Rick and his buddy Shane, his partner Shane, in the car. They're eating lunch, eating some burgers, talking about women. Shane's going on and on about this one girl. They end up eventually talking about Rick's relationship with his wife, Lori. Uh, they sit there and talk about it. You know, they're male bonding. Everybody needs some good male bonding. Then the call comes in. They got this scene, this crazy folks in the car. Everybody come to the scene. So they drive to the scene. They set up a roadblock. They're waiting on the car. And there's this interesting thing that happens. All the sheriff's deputies are positioned and they're they're pointing and and one of them they're just waiting for the car to come over the hill one of them turns and says you think we'll end up on one of them shows and rick says i i think you need to you know concentrate and pay attention to what's going on here make sure you got one in the chamber and your safety's off so then here comes a car boom he hits they hit the the roadblock car crashes flips the guys come out shooting two guys come out shooting we got how many how many uh Sheriff's deputies were there, about seven or eight? At least, yeah. Something like that, yeah, probably. So two guys come out shooting. One's got a pistol, one's got a, a, I think the other one had a rifle or a shotgun. Rick gets tagged, but it hits his vest, okay? He, so he's, he's fine. By this time, the two guys have been taken out. Rick stands up, you know, is turned around, he's got his back to the scene. 
a third guy climbs out of the vehicle and shoots Rick in the back. Falls to the ground. Shane comes running over. Hang on, buddy. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Cool audio f- effect happening. The bird's eye view camera's pulling out. Then we get the slow dip to white, and it dissolves to what I, th- I thought it was this really awkward scene of a point of view shot, like you're Rick laying in the bed, and you're looking up. You see Shane in the hospital room. He's got flowers. He's talking to Rick, you know. Janie at the in the office picked these flowers out. It was really awkward. It made me uncomfortable. Uh, and then Rick, you know, he wakes up and he he thinks Shane's still there, so he starts to talk to Shane. And he's like, "Where's Shane? Shane's not here." He looks over. He sees the flowers on the nightstand. Flowers are dead. He touches the flowers; they fall off of the stems. He rolls out of bed and falls to the ground. Calls for the nurse. No response. He eventually gets back up, makes it to the bathroom. Slashes water on his face and starts exploring the hospital. Walks out into the hallway and there's nobody here. This place is abandoned. The hallway's in disarray, junk everywhere. He walks by a door with a window, looks through the window and sees a dead body down the hall. There's blood on the walls, there's bullet holes in the walls. He eventually makes his way to the end of the hallway and he sees this door. It's chained closed with this, you know, this huge chain and padlock. And somebody had scrawled on the don't open dead inside. And then something starts banging and pushing on the door from the inside, from the other side. He can't tell what it is, but he hears something. And, and all of a sudden, the, the doors part a little bit as far as the chains will allow them. And this gray, creepy hand just starts poking through. And at this point, he realizes something's very wrong. He turns around and hightails it out. And I realize, guys, I'm, I'm very excited about this. I may be talking fast. If you got something to say, just jump in. I'm having a good time. You just recapping this whole thing. It's awesome. It it is awesome. I'd like to go back to the conversation that we kind of touched on earlier between Rick and and Shane. He confides in Shane here. Um, he mentions that him and his wife. Does he call her Lori at this point? I'm going to screw this up all show. I'm pretty sure that Shane refers to her think, by yeah. name. I think he says something like, "How's Lori?" Yeah, or yeah, how are you and sure. Lori doing or something? Yeah. 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 So I'm not going to jump ahead too far, and, and we're going to get to more of this at the end of uh, this episode. But they did a really nice job. You know, like you said, Brad, it was male bonding, but you really got the feel that these guys are best of friends. And then it, it's kind of reiterated when Rick goes down, and you get Shane's reaction to that, and you get Shane in the hospital with Rick. Um, so I think they really did a good job of driving the point home that these guys are just like best of buddies. And why I know some people have said that that scene was a, the the scene in them with them in the car was a bit slow and measured and deliberate. I think it's incredibly important, especially with what we find out to be end of the episode, um, going forward for those two characters. If you don't have that setup, there's almost no story there. You need to have that scene of exactly how close they are to be able to tear that apart eventually. Yeah, I agree. It, it totally comes full circle later on. It's almost like a Tarantino scene, you know, where you get this, you know, the show's about zombies. It's called The Walking Dead. We've, you know, we've got the teaser. And then we start with this long conversation, kind of almost a conversation about nothing that, that they have. And I mean, obviously they're cops, they're in the car, you know something's going to happen. But I was... Um, surprised, and, and again, that, that, this is why I thought of Tarantino because I thought it went on kind of long, and and uh, that's not a criticism or what. Um, I think in other shows, 
that scene would have either been cut very, very short or not been in there at all. So again, I, I, I think having Darabon have his hand in this and obviously directing this episode, we get these um, cinematic, it, it felt very cinematic to me. I mean, did, did, was it me or did you guys feel like you were watching a movie and not a TV show? Oh, definitely. And it helped that it was a 67 minute long episode. They didn't right. have to cut away all so often. I just like to jump in here and say that we're going to save our comic book comparisons and, 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 and contrasting and stuff. We're going to save that mostly for in between seasons. I mean, this is only a six week run and then we're going to have a lot of time to fill. Uh, so we'll probably talk a lot more about the book then. But I think here and there we're going to have to point some things out without spoiling anything. And the one thing I'm going to point out here is the shot of the double doors don't open dead inside, dead on from the – you could pull it right off of the page of the comic. Exactly, exactly. The other – kind of on that, on that point, the one thing I thought was cool was when Rick was initially shot because I think it's, it's, it's no surprise that you know, that's kind of how things start is he's put in the hospital and, and left there. That's, the, that's not exactly spoiling anything. But the fact that he was shot – and those of us that read the book knew that was coming. So when he was shot and hit in the vest, because when he initially was shot, you could tell he felt it and went down, and you couldn't tell if there was blood or not. So I thought that was kind of an interesting twist to where then he gets back up and he's like, oh, I was shot in the vest, you know, and then, and then they move on from there. I thought that was a nice little um, twist to just kind of throw off the, the comic readers to, to not just, just put it out there right uh, in, the, in the front of it. This episode was full of that. You know, it, it's hard. Like John said, it's hard not to compare the two. But the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking, well, that's in the comic. That's not in the comic. That's in the comic. And yeah, when I when I when he got shot that first time, I thought, OK, there it is. And then I was like, what? Hit him in the vest? What's going on? Boom. The third guy jumps out, you know, shoots him in the back. So I think they're well aware of the fact that a lot of us geeks are going to be watching the show and they're, they're just trying to throw us some curveball. And I really, really appreciate that. I think it's awesome. It, and it's funny because the I think the Walking Dead comic, as well as comics in general these days, are are that you know there's a vast trend of what we call decompressed storytelling. Where in the old old I say the old days, back in you know the the 70s, 80s, 60s, you know Silver Bronze Age, a, a lot of one and done stories in comics, a lot of stuff that would play out maybe over several issues. But nowadays things are pretty much written for these little nice five six episode or. Um, issue packages and things tend to take a long time. Um, it, it's amazing that we're at this point, maybe 10 minutes, five minutes into the show and all of this is happening um, or 15 minutes, like in the first two or three pages of the book. So I, I thought that was really, it, it's interesting that the show is even more decompressed than the comic, which in general is, is kind of a, in the trend of decompressed storytelling. Moving on, uh, Rick turns around. He doesn't like the creepy hand. He turns around. He finds a stairwell door with stairs. He opens it up. It's dark inside, and apparently it smells pretty bad in there because it almost looks like he's about to vomit. Somewhere along the way, he grabbed some matches. I never saw that because uh, maybe he's a magician or whatever. But anyway, he no, no, he reaches over the uh, the nurse's desk. Yeah, he rummages yeah. through a desk. Oh, okay, yeah. very good. I must have looked away right at that moment or something. The creepy hand scared you. Yes, it no, did. Brad's just really afraid of nurses' desks. It's an old uh, story. That too. We'll tell that story one day. Um, really cool lighting in this scene. He strikes a match, and that's the only source of light. Now, guys that work in the business, like me, obviously, 
know how they lit that scene, but still it looked so good to me. I just thought it was really, really well done. The whole thing was uber creepy. I mean, the matches yeah. keep going out. He has to keep lighting them. There's those seconds in between where, yeah. I mean, we, you know, I, we know even as a comic reader that they're changing stuff. A zombie could jump out at any time. And uh, it was, oh, I was very chilled by that. Yeah, it was very good. He eventually makes his way downstairs, finds the exit, walks outside, blinded by the brightness. Obviously, he's had his eyes closed for a month or so. We're assuming it's a month at this point. I think from the comic, we know it's been a while. We find out later in the comic that it's been, it was, you know, it's been quite a while. He walks down the stairs to the loading docks and he, he notices all these bodies neatly arranged and covered in white sheets and he's walking slowly through there he can tell he's still in pain still recovering from his from his wound he's holding his side he walks out of the hospital grounds off the side gets to a hill walks up the hill when he crests this hill he sees a helicopter and a bunch of abandoned cars so obviously there's been some action going on here possibly some military support had come a lot of a lot of stuff going on here a lot of crazy uh just crap everywhere and I mean, who expects to see a military helicopter there without people around it? You know, obviously something's happening here, something big. So he starts walking home as we find out. He comes across a bicycle on the side of the road. He sees it. He goes to pick it up, and he sees half of a zombie laying in the grass. But he doesn't know it's a zombie at this point. Let's point no, out. he, he hasn't not. seen any. And I think at this point we should point out that nowhere in this episode, and honestly I think nowhere in the book – is the word zombie ever used which to me in the in the book that's fine i'm okay but in the tv show you would think that they might say the word zombie because in our culture zombies are such you know commonplace that sounds weird to say they're commonplace but i mean do you see what i'm coming where i'm coming it's from here it's kind of a zombie yeah. genre, it's a genre rule that you don't say the word zombie in zombie movies um it's even kind of joked about in Shaun of the dead but for whatever reason, you will almost never see that or hear that word spoken in a zombie movie. Yeah, I mean, I I can see it that way, but I, I, I agree mean, with you. Your logic makes sense. They would. They would know. When he starts to realize what's been going on, as he finds out later, you would halfway expect him to go, "Are you talking zombies here?" You know, something like that. Maybe that's just me and the, the way I would react. But anyway, if we backtrack this, just a second yeah. to uh, when he leaves the hospital, I mean, I've spoken in past episodes about. Um, the scope we had seen and some of the footage that had come out earlier. This is kind of the first part in this episode. Well, no, I, sh- I take that back. The first place where we really see scope is in the actual opening when he's walking through all the abandoned cars to try to find gas before he gets to the little girl zombie. But this is kind of the second one, and it's kind of this awesome he, – he already knows. He wakes up. Nobody in the hospital room. It's just him. So something's wrong. He walks out into the hospital, and there's slowly more and more things that just aren't right. He leaves the hospital and there's body upon body. He walks a little bit further. There's abandoned cars. He goes up a hill. There's a helicopter and a couple more abandoned hill, uh, cars. He goes up higher over the hill, and there's the helicopter is abandoned. There's blockades everywhere. There's a building with a giant, like, almost exploding bomb section out of it. The scope, the, the slowly widening scope of the episode was just awesome. I, I just think it's so cool how they gradually build that organically and just let you see. And we'll see it again throughout the episode, but just... Here's a little thing that's messed up. Here's a bigger thing that's messed up. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe what is going on on the screen right now? Uh, I love it. I just absolutely love it. Yeah, it's definitely gradual. And you start to get um, verbal clues also that are very gradual that something's something's not quite right here. As you know, some of the things that um, some people say that we're getting ready to meet, actually. So 
uh, he sees the, the zombie girl, doesn't know it's a zombie. When this half a body moves, you know, he freaks out. He sees this, this half a body from the waist up moving. He gets on the bike and gets out of there as soon as he can. So obviously he's ridden this bicycle all the way home. He gets out. He runs in as fast as he can into his house, starts calling out, Lori, Carl, he realizes nobody's there. They're gone. He breaks down. He starts crying. He's down on his hands and knees on the floor. He asks himself out loud. He's saying, is this real? Am I here? He even hits himself in the head and says, wake up, wake up. Okay, this is obviously really happening to him. He doesn't know what to do. He walks outside. He sits down on the edge of the sidewalk and he sees this figure down the street walking towards him. Now, at this point, he kind of puts his hand up and I'm wondering, he, he, maybe he's waving at this like, hey, or maybe he's shading you know, the bright glare of the sky out of his eyes, probably the latter, but I like to think that he's almost waving at the guy like, hey, there's somebody else. I see them. Hi, I'm not alone, you know? Yeah, that, that's how I took it, actually. I, good, I think good. you're on with that one. I thought that was really cool. It really, uh, it really struck me. Anyway, this distracts him from the fact that somebody's coming up from behind him and whacks him in the head with a shovel. Right. That scene still took me by surprise, even though I knew it was coming. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So then we cut to the scene. There's this little black kid, and he says, Dad, I got him. I got him. The dad comes running over, and I, I think the, the kid said something like, I heard him say something, but I know the dad says, now you know they don't talk. That's our first clue. That's our first verbal clue that somebody says that, that is tipping us off that something's different here. You know they don't talk. That stuck out to me. The man looks at Rick laying on the ground. He leans over and says, what kind of wound is that? Of course, Rick just got hit just got hit in the head, so he passes out. He wakes up to find himself inside a house with the people he just met in the front yard. The man says, I've changed your bandages. And he says, did you get bit? He says, I didn't get bit, you know. It was a gunshot. He checks Rick for fever. And it eventually we find out that this man's name is Morgan. Uh, we as comic readers know that from the book. Um, as television viewers, you could find that out through the Internet Movie Database. This man's character's name is Morgan. and his was son, in the credit as well. But. Was it? His son's name is Dwayne. But Morgan actually says Dwayne's name later. Anyway, and Morgan is played by the awesome Lenny James, who you guys probably know from a lot of different TV shows. He was in the movie Snatch. But a uh, really good actor. So I'll call him Morgan, and Dwayne is his son. He was tied to the bed. Morgan ties the you know ropes high, holding him to the bed and says you know you can get up when you can so he gets up later he sits down to dinner with them and he looks at morgan and says you shot that man today and morgan says it, it was a walker not a man do you even know what's going on he says i saw the dead bodies and he goes no nah, I'm, I'm not talking about the ones that they put down i'm talking about the dead ones that are walking that are still alive you know that come back to life whatever so he tells rick kind of about what's been going on do they mention the city of Atlanta here? Like we heard on the or the the media before the broadcast end, they told people to start heading towards Atlanta. Was that at this point that I think that's later on? I think that's after the next scene. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought this was the actually the only scene in the pilot that I thought the dialogue was pretty clunky in, and that was just in uh, Morgan kind of grasping that Rick had no idea what was going on. I thought they could have done that better. But it's a minor complaint. Like I said, it's the only scene in the entire episode that I thought was anywhere poorly scripted. Morgan tells Rick that he and his son have a little bet going. And Dwayne thinks he might be a bank robber. 
And Rick says, no, I'm actually a sheriff's deputy. Then all of a sudden, a car alarm starts going off outside. Immediately, Dwayne, uh, Morgan looks at Dwayne and says, kill the lights. Rick turns off a lantern. They get as dark as possible in there. They peek through the blankets covering the windows, and they see all the zombies gathered around the car down the street. Rick says, shouldn't we do something about it? And he's like, there's nothing we can do. You know, we just got to sit here and, and wait. Then all of a sudden, Dwayne sees uh, a woman walking across the, the yard. It's this black woman. Obviously, we know because she says, he says, she's here. This is another clue, obviously, that I'm, at this point, I'm starting to think this has got to be his mom because he turns around, runs away, buries his face in the pillow, starts crying. This lady zombie walks up to the front porch and looks right in the peephole. I thought that was a really cool shot. Rick looks in the peephole from the inside, and she's staring right there in the peephole. She looks down at the door handle, starts to jiggle it. You can see it turning. They go sit down because there's nothing they can do. Morgan tells Rick about her getting sick and makes a comment about her being the mother of his child. And at this, you know, he's wearing a wedding ring. So at this point, we obviously know that's his wife. That's Dwayne's mom. We see a shot of the doorknob turning slowly, and then we cut to a commercial. What would you guys think about all that? Well, first off, I'd want to mention that the actress who plays um, Morgan's wife is the actress who plays Tara's mom on, uh, what's the show? True Blood which is a show we've done a couple episodes on over on Legion of Dudes. It was I kind of thought, fun to see her back even in just this tiny little role. I'm glad it was a non-speaking role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Tara May? No. I thought it kind of looked like her, but um, but obviously they, they did her hair different, and obviously she was a zombie. But even in the in the photograph, it didn't, it didn't look like her. I guess they maybe... Um, I should specify I never looked this up. I was just pretty sure from looking at her it was the same actress. So if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. She's in some. Uh, she's been in some commercial that's been running a ton lately too. It, it's the insurance commercial where like all the people are helping each other, and she like stops some guy who's not paying attention from crossing the street. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. Oh, is that her? Yeah, yeah, it is. Cool. Is it Allstate? Because it's the one that Dennis Haysbert does, the guy that played the president on the. Yeah, it's Allstate. Yeah, that's Allstate stand. Yeah. Um, we are in no I, way affiliated with Allstate, or <laughs> but we're not here to talk about insurance companies. I, I thought this was interesting. Again, we get another, and again, we're not going to get in detail, but a, a deviation from the comic where a lot more characterization and a lot more you know development to get you to know these characters and kind of feel a little bit more sympathy for them and 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 to to just get to know them better. Um, in the comic, they'll kind of, you know, quickly move over things just to kind of move the story along. Um, so I, I appreciated the fact that um, they slowed it down a little bit again, and we got to, you know, to get to know these characters a little better. So it just wasn't, you know, a five second scene and then and then we're gone. You know, I, I again, I, I like that. I love that they're keeping. This is a very small detail, but I really appreciate it. I, I love that they're keeping the ripple effect. In here, uh, meaning when that car alarm goes off, you know, it's going to attract more zombies and it's time to kill the lights and shut up and lay low <laughs> because they're going to start, you know, we, uh, I, I believe they call it a herd later on in the in the books. But that small noise, you know, if you fire a gun at the wrong time or make any commotion, it's going to attract the whole crowd of these um, and there's an exponential kind of effect to it. I, I just love that element. It's yeah. the long-term gradual consequences that are awesome. 
So we have our commercial, then we come back to the show. It's daytime, obviously. They made it through the night. We get an establishing shot of the house from outside, and there's a zombie. Uh, there's a zombie sitting on the sidewalk by the white picket fence, just sitting there doing nothing. The front door opens, and Rick and company walk outside. And we hear Rick say, "You sure they're dead? I just need to make sure for myself." He's wearing this. It looks like what could be like considered a welding. It's in the same shape as a welder's mask, but it's just a see-through. Uh, yeah, my dad wears money like weed wax or yeah, it's like a see-through plexiglass uh, face guard. He's got almost a like the ones hat. you see on like medical examiners now when they show have those shows. Yeah, so he walks up to the zombie with a baseball bat and lays into him, kills one. So then they uh, they go to Rick's house. They walk through, notices clothes are gone, pictures are pulled off the wall. And he says, they're alive. My wife and son are alive. I know it. You know, zombies wouldn't come in here and pull pictures off the wall, wouldn't take clothes out of the drawers. And either Dwayne or Morgan says, well, they probably went to Atlanta. It's supposed to be safer there. That's when they told us, you know, they were telling us that, at, you know, at the time to go there, there were supposed to be safe places there. So he says, sounds good. They go to the sheriff's station where they enjoy a hot shower. I thought this was a really neat uh, tension-relieving scene. Yeah. Well, I watched the premiere with some friends of mine who were over, and they pointed out the, uh, the very astute uh, notion that why are these characters walking in the dark corners by themselves? Because there's a couple times where they like send each other away to, hey, can you go grab that for me? And it's just like something is going to jump out. And obviously nothing did, but these people should watch more zombie movies. They know what to do. I think at this point we have to assume they, they cleared the station. They made sure it was, it was uh, zombie-free. Uh, I guess so. So they take a hot shower, and it's funny. Dwayne's dancing and singing. Yeah. Uh, then they go to the armory. They load up on all the weapons. Uh, Rick gives Morgan a radio, says, I'll turn it on a few minutes a day every day at, at dawn. That's how you can find me. Zombie walks up to a fence, and it turns out it's Leon the guy that at the beginning of the show says, you think we'll get on one of them shows? Well, he's, uh, I think you said that wrong, Brad. It's, do you think we're going to get on one of them shows? Right. That's how it went. I remember. So he even calls him by name. Oh, Leon something. I didn't catch the last name. Dwayne and Morgan turn and walk to their car. Zombie Leon is right up there on the fence. Rick pulls out his gun and shoots him. And, and another get, scene where they don't cut away. You see the entire right. blood splatter. He slowly falls down that fence. You could never get away with this on network TV. I'm, I'm just floored by how much they got away with. It's awesome. I'm very impressed with how real the gunshots to the head look. Now, I had read it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had read some complaints uh, online, various places, about the CGI blood. I didn't think it was the greatest, but it's no uh, submarine on Lost. So, what did you guys think? Good, bad, indifferent? I, I thought um, it was fine. Yeah, it didn't bother me at all. I, I guess I have a somewhat lower expectation for television, and this definitely didn't. Um, I, I didn't notice it. You know, like I, I, I noticed it on the Expendables, I guess, um, and I guess that was you know a, a movie, movie. So. Um, I, I didn't, I don't recall it looking that bad. So like I said, it didn't, it didn't bother me. It's, it's also becoming so commonplace now 
I mean, you know, it, it, there aren't many action genre movies that don't go with the CGI blood, so I, I think we're just kind of getting used to it also. Squib is dead. R.I.P. Squib, 1945 to 2010. It, it's going to get to the point where I was – I forget which uh, documentary I was watching the other day on one of my Blu-rays or whatever. And they were talking about um, you know fake water, fake fire, and, and obviously fake blood. And, and CGI water is still tough, but they were saying that they like to use CGI fire because and, – and especially when they need it to like you know move up a wall or down a street or whatever – um, because people tend to re- think that the real fire looks fake and the f- CGI fire looks more real than, than what they use. So I wonder if, if eventually we'll get that way with, uh, with blood splatter where we'll find the CGI to, to look better than the real thing. And with squibs, there's a problem that they, they're not allowed to put squibs on ex- extras anymore. You have to use a stuntman. I don't remember if it was a Nicotero interview I saw or a Darabont oh, interview. No. But because they, it is a small explosion it's going off. yeah. They have to use a stuntman, so it's just just like for another reason you might want not use want to use real fire because um, it's dangerous. It's also dangerous to use a squib. So if it's financially feasible and if it's going to look just about as good, maybe maybe the squi- uh, the CGI version of a squib is better in that in that case. One quick yep. thing about the violence while we're on the subject. Do you think they get away with it because it's not human on, quote, human violence? Are they considering the zombies, you know, a monster, so it's sci-fi violence, or do you think I think it's more the fact that it's AMC and not a broadcast network, but I'm sure that plays in a little bit. Yeah, I think think that tempers it quite a bit. You know, I think if this was, like you were saying, John, you know, average Joe A walks up to average Joe B and sticks a gun up to his head and blows him away— I think, yeah, the, the emotional tie and the emo- emotional reaction to the viewer is a lot different than, oh, that person's, you know, a, a zombie or, you know, dead or, or, you know, a reanimated corpse or whatever you want to call it. I, th- I think that you can, you can kind of disassociate yourself a lot with it. And I think that, that maybe helps, helps it. I, I'm curious as to how that works for, you know, I know it's cable and all, but how far can you really, really go before, you know, anybody would come in? I guess they don't, they don't, have to worry about sensors per se. I guess they would have to be concerned with sponsorship. You know that if if um, you know if their sponsors objected to it too loudly, then they wouldn't you know be able to sell the commercials. But yeah, there's no FCC problem with cable. It's just uh, internal standards and practice. And like you said, um, who's going to pay for uh, sponsorship? And, and there's plenty of companies, I'm sure, that have no problem with it. But there's sure going to be some that just say, hey, this isn't really something we go for. Um, but Apparently, they've been able to find enough to get six episodes out. So, hey, good for yeah. them. Two thoughts about this real quick, and then I'll move on. If the book, if the show follows the book, and we, know, we all know it's going to, sooner or later, we will see how AMC handles human-on-human uh, human violence. And oh, yeah. Even if they don't follow the book, we, we're going to see human-on-human violence eventually anyway, as long as there's yeah. people involved. And uh, as, speaking as a human... I would much rather see human-on-zombie violence than human-on-human violence. John, speaking as a zombie, what's your counterpoint? Human-on-human violence has never bothered me. Uh, I enjoy movies such as Old Boy. Oh, that movie's brutal. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's just not the sort of thing that... And I'm not even, like, a horror fan. I mean, I I don't enjoy movies like, say... Hostile or high tension are two that come to mind. Um, 
but it doesn't bother me. I'm I'm good with it. Either way. So what you're saying is you've been properly desensitized over the last decade or two. That is correct. Moving on, we we get uh, probably one of my favorite parts of the episode. Rick and uh, Morgan they part ways, drive off separate ways. Then we we follow both uh, story parts here, but it it's real quick shots of Rick intercut with shots of Morgan and Dwayne and home. And I, I really like how it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Some cool music in here too. Basically Rick drives off to where he sees the bicycle girl and Morgan and Dwayne uh, drive back home. We see shots of Morgan and Dwayne reinforcing the house with, with uh, more blankets and more two by fours. Uh, we cut back to a shot of Rick walking through the park. He's, we can tell he's looking for the, He's looking for the bicycle girl because it shows us it deliberately shows a spot on the grass where he saw her the last time. Cut back to Morgan and Dwayne. Uh, Morgan says, "Read your comic books for a while, son. I'll be upstairs." Nice comic book plug for the for us geeks. Yeah, could anybody tell what book it was? I couldn't tell from the vantage point we had. I could not. No, no, I looked. I couldn't tell. I bet you Mor- it's Invincible or Science Dog. Morgan goes upstairs and he he sets up a place by the window with his rifle. As we can tell he's gonna he's gonna start some target practice here in a bit. He starts looking at pictures of his wife. Obviously, still very sad about this. He picks the gun up and whistles at a zombie. Like John said, one noise is gonna attract him. Uh, whistles at the zombie. Zombie turns, and he plugs the zombie right in the forehead. So he's training himself on the gun. Then he starts talking. He says, "Come on, baby. Come on, baby." And uh, turns out do you guys think he was his wife walks up eventually walks up the zombie wife walks up looks right at the scope but he can't shoot her do you think when he's saying come on baby he's talking to himself like man up you can do this or is he saying come on wife you know i want to i want to put you down because i know you know this is no life to live What, what do you guys think he meant by come on baby i thought he meant the wife that that he was wanting her to to come into his field of view. Yeah, that I think that's right. Okay, I can deal with that. But when she does, he can't do it. He can't do it. He cries. He, she walks away. So, at this point in time, zombie wife is still, still alive. Now, do you think uh, we'll revisit the story ever because they left that point kind of dangling, or do you think that's where it ends? It wouldn't surprise me if if they came back to it. Yeah, you know? I, th- I, th- I think they will. I'd definitely be happy to see those characters again. Uh, like I said, Lenny James, great actor, and the kid who played Dwayne, he was uh, definitely good as well. So if they ever want to bring them back in any capacity, you know, which they could do in any number of ways, I think that'd be awesome. I, th- I thought it was very – a lot more – it was very powerful, that scene. Um, I really thought after the first time he broke down um, that he was going to, you know, kind of steal himself – and pick up the gun and do it, um, and then he broke down again. And I was—I I mean, it, that, you want to talk about tension building? That was a great tension builder because everything in me th- said he's going to do it. Um, so I thought there, that was there, great. There's something very powerful and personal about that scene where, if you—I mean, I'm, granted, I'm not married or anything—but if you're a husband, or if you have anybody you care about, and and the question is, could I do this? By them not showing you whether he could, you're left to deal with that yourself. If they showed him shoot her, then you have a reaction to what he did. If they don't show it, you have a reaction to what you could or could not do. And I think that's very cool. 
Yeah, the the one thing as I was watching that scene play out, I was like, please don't show her actually being shot. Like, if you're going to show this, show him, and then you'll hear the trigger pull and see his reaction. I was, I did not. I mean, of all the the, the kill shots that you want to see because it's you know cool effects and cool um, makeup and stuff, I didn't want to see that. Um, I didn't want to see that kill because it was more important to see um, his reaction than, than, than hers. Hey, real quick. I know we want to get back to the summary, uh, and keep this moving, but going back to the bicycle girl, did you guys feel that a good enough job was done sort of explaining why he went back? Maybe not why there's really no tech, like, uh, there's really no specific reason. Um, well, I was actually getting ready to address that. Awesome. Um, you know, in, in this back and forth intercut thing, this all ends up with Rick finding the girl and he kneels down next to her and he looks at her and says, I'm sorry this happened to you. And he shoots her. Now, I asked myself, John, why, why would he go back and, and do this? Why, why does this matter so much to him? And I think it's basically just because this is the first zombie that he ran across when when he after he woke up and and not to mention she just looks absolutely pitiful i guess what confused me was the original scene the first time he sees her he it really just came off that he was like scared and ran away um but then the reaction to go back and say that he's sorry you're right it does kind of show like a sense of pity or that he felt bad but there really was no emotion the first time he just kind of got the heck out of there well to be fair he didn't know what it was now he's been brought up to speed by morgan um so he he has all the faculties he needs to actually deal with the situation i can live with that yeah i didn't i didn't feel that connection as much i mean again not to not to spoil too much but you know we saw the same kind of thing go on in the book i didn't see that that connection closely tied in the show as I did in the book. And I, I just thought it was a really interesting character piece on Rick though, because he's almost like genuinely curious about, you know, he's, he's, you know, he gets down on the, on the ground and he's kind of looking at her and he, he's like studying and he's, he's trying to figure out what, you know, almost like, what does this mean? What's going on? What's, what's this all about? It, it was just very strange, um, you know, that, that he didn't have, like I said, he was like a little kid, like a curious little kid trying to figure out what's going on. And, and I don't think it's spoiling anything by saying that, I mean, in the book, he cries the first time he sees her. Um, right. Yeah. And, and, that's a, and that's a pretty powerful moment. And then, then you totally understand why he went back and, and ended it for her. I think it missed the mark a little bit here. He didn't have that first reaction. It was more of a scare. And it changed the message a little bit. Yeah, but the very next thing he does, though, is go to his house and cry. So that scene might have been undermined if he was crying in the scene already going into it. I don't, I don't remember if there's anything in between those in the book. No, there isn't. I don't believe there is. He, so we get it. Go ahead. I'm going to say, uh, since I, I had the book with me, too, while I was watching, so I still got it in front of me, um, he cries after he shoots her as well. So he cries both, you know, on both sides of it. Um, and the first time he sees her, it's daylight, and, the se- and, and when he kills her to go back, it's night. So um, I think the book does a better job of calling attention to it and contrasting um, what's going on. 
So after he shoots the bicycle girl, we cut to commercial. We come back. Rick is driving. He's on the highway, on the radio, trying to contact anybody on the radio. Please respond. Please respond. I'm driving towards Atlanta, blah, blah, blah. Cut to a campground full of other people. This is a new scene, a new, a new group of people, among which is Rick's partner, Shane. We, we're introduced to a girl, an old man with a hat, uh, a woman. There's a boy in the background wearing a science dog T-shirt, by the way. Go science dog. And the old man says, you know, you know how to run this thing, boy. Come in here. And, and Shane runs in, grabs a microphone, and starts talking. They can hear Rick, but Rick cannot hear them. And the woman says, we need to – he said he was going to Atlanta. They don't realize that there's a problem with Atlanta. We need to warn, go out there and warn people to stay away from Atlanta. Shane says, no, it's too dangerous. Well, this obviously upsets this woman. She gets mad and walks off. And Shane starts to follow her, follows her into the tent. They're talking about it. You know, you, you can't go off like that. That boy needs you. You need to be strong for him. Then they go in. They kiss each other. The boy walks up to the tent. Mom? They part real quick. He, uh, Shane walks out. He says, she's inside. Go on in. And she comes out, and she says, Listen, I'm fine. Mama's not going anywhere. We're good. Cut to the inside of Rick's car. He's looking at a picture of himself. And, of course, it includes the woman and the boy we just saw. And at this point, I'm thinking to myself, oh, boy, Rick's buddy, Rick's partner and best friend just kissed Rick's wife. So this brings the conversation that they had in the car with each other while they're eating burgers back full circle. And now we all knew that was coming, but I, I can't wait to find out to hear some from some of our listeners who might not have read the comic. What did, what did you think? Did you see it coming? Did it hit you hard? Were you expecting it? What were your reactions to um, that scene? Yeah, and, and in that scene, Lori's name was never mentioned, nor was Carl's mentioned. But we know that's who they are once it cuts to the scene of Rick looking at the picture of the three of them. The funny thing about the whole uh, Lori scene, which I guess I can say now, um, when she has that moment where she's kind of complaining and yelling at Shane about you know his leadership and whatever, and kind of storms off, I immediately thought of Jim and 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 the Pamp who left the voicemail for the show. You know, just thinking to myself, well, they're going to start hating Lori again real <laughs> real quick in this show because they've certainly made her kind of like a strong personality type I would say plus you know she's messing around with the best friend um, and we talk about it a little bit how much time has really passed at this point as as TV viewers we don't know um, well what we can go by is and some of this might be reading too far into it but that's what we do the dead flowers. Um, you got flowers, and you have, like, his hair and beard growth. You know, he didn't come right. out looking like a uh, caveman when he woke up. Um, I, I would say a couple of weeks is a really good guess. Right. Either way, it's too early yeah, she for has her not to be been doing mourning doing. for eight months, basically. Oh, <laughs> too soon. Yeah. <laughs> I was – it's funny. I, I, you know, read the book. You know, I've, I've, I'm pretty much caught up trade-wise on the book. And I never stopped the th thought about it until I was watching this, watching this episode. 
if even if it's been two weeks, three weeks, a month, how if he's if he's in bed and he's had no food and no water, how is he still alive? And um, my thought is that because you have all that military stuff right around him, that hospital might have only gone under several days earlier. Like even if the outbreak happened true. three weeks ago, there might right. have been hospital staff and military staff there protecting that area as like a triage unit or something like that for an extended period of time. That's the only way I could reconcile it. I got over it pretty quick. I mean, it's not enough to make me go, you know, you know, bash it or anything. It's just, it's just something that kind of stuck out in my head. And it was just kind of funny that it took the TV show for me to really, um, bring that home, even though I've been reading the book for as long as I have. And what's up with these zombies? That could never happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I found it much more unbelievable that, the horse was alive and healthy and that, you know, his family is the first group of people that he comes in contact with. Coincidentally, I found that much more harder to believe than that. They're actually zombie, you know, <laughs> take over. And speaking of the horse, Brad. Yes. Uh, at this point, we cut back to Rick. His car's run out of gas. He's carrying a gas can. He's walking up the driveway to this house because he thinks he might find some gas here. He's calling out to the people. Obviously, nobody's answering. He gets up close to the house. He looks through the window to see what apparently reveals itself to be what I took to be a murder-suicide. There's a a guy sitting in a chair with a shotgun between his legs. Half of his head is gone. On the wall behind him uh, is written, God forgive us. It looks like it's written in blood. There's dead people on the ground, so it looks like you know, he killed them, then he killed himself. Well, what I think is more messed up is he killed them, took their blood and wrote on the wall, and then killed himself. You know, That's may- messed up. Maybe at this point they had become zombies. Maybe he killed them for that reason, and then he – I guess. Well, but, well you know, if that was the case, maybe he would have written, God forgive me. Oh, good point. Yeah. So let's go, yeah, with, su- let's go with the murder-suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's obviously disgusted by what he sees. He walks outside. He sees a horse. Gets a bright idea. You can almost see the light bulb going over his head. And uh, he saddles up on the horse and rides off. Cut to commercial, right? Wasn't there a commercial there? Uh, I think so. There Let's is now. Then we get one of Jordan's favorite shots. We come back to that great shot that we saw in the trailer of the highway leading into Atlanta. Go ahead, Jordan. I was going to say, and this shows, once again, the scope, where you just see him at first in the road, and then it just kind of broadens up and pans up, and you get to see the other cars and the train and the city and just the whole thing. It's, it's the poster for the show. It's most likely going to be the, um, the DVD cover just because it's the iTunes art right now. Um, oh, it's such a great image, so iconic, and uh, it just kind of gets across the message of the show just in one, one uh, static moment. Again, it hits home that felt to me more like a movie than a TV show. When you see that kind of a scene, um, that you know that epic and that large scale, um, you know, wide shot like that, you know, very very cinematic. Yeah, you're not seeing that on uh, the eight o'clock show on uh, on NBC. Right, right. So Rick makes his way eventually into downtown. Again, it's completely deserted. Roadblocks everywhere. Abandoned cars. Helicopters. He rides past a bus. It was a cool shot of him wa- riding past the bus, and a couple of zombies are in the bus, and they kind of sit up, 
and get up and walk. It freaks the horse out. He says, it's okay, horse. There's just, just a couple of them, nothing we can't outrun. Now, I gave one of these zombies a name. I, I'm going to call him Buster because he was on, because he was on the bus. Uh, he, he walks off the bus. He's wearing a suit and tie and a purple shirt. He's kind of got long black hair. And the only reason I named him is because I have a feeling we're going to see this zombie more than once because we see him later on at, near the end of this episode. Yeah, he's definitely a star zombie. I was kind of thinking of him as the, um, uh, the Green Day zombie, and I don't really know why, but he just made me think Green Day. And that was one of the things I was going to say. That wasn't portrayed, and obviously for it's, it's a lot tougher in a, in a static, um, two-dimensional medium, but um, these zombies seem to be or come across a little more intelligent than they do in the book or even in you know other mediums that we've seen zombies. I, I felt the same way about these zombies being more intelligent, even back to when Dwayne's mother was jiggling the doorknob and stuff. Or yeah, even the first zombie we see, see who that. picks up the um, who picks up the teddy bear. I don't. Right. They, they felt like Romero zombies to me, though. That just kind of that the the sense memory. The um, you know they just do what they always did. That's why they're sitting on the bus. Why else? Where else would they be? They always sit on the bus. And that one dude was you know chilling on the sidewalk out in front of the house. It just seemed it seemed a little more than that to me because they seemed to be a little more alert and reactive than. You know, they're not just reacting to noise and sound. It's like almost like they were cued to get up and move. It it, it just seemed very subtle, but a little more, um, like I said, out there than, than I've seen before. Um, and I th- think it's an interesting touch. Again, for me, it was a great way to help differentiate this from the book. All right. So Buster watches him. I like calling him Buster. I think it's, I think it's funny. It makes me laugh, so that's what's important. Maybe it'll catch on. Yeah. Buster uh, watches him right off as he's riding rick thinks he hears something turns out he hears a helicopter he looks up and he sees the helicopter in the reflection of some building windows and he starts you know giddy up riding towards the direction of it he's you know galloping fairly fast down the down the street he turns a corner to this huge reveal of what looked to me like hundreds of zombies all gathered in one spot and i'd like to point out up until this point, we really haven't heard the zombies make noise like, Ugh. but when you got 100, 200, 300 of them gathered in one spot, you're going to hear it. And so this is the first time I noticed just an underlying, whatever, you know, the typical zombie noise. I thought that was pretty cool. The zombies see him, obviously. They turn around and start following him. He turns around, runs off. Before he knows it, he's surrounded by zombies on all sides. I mean, this happens fast, too. This is like just boom, 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 boom. He gets knocked down to the ground. The horse gets knocked over. The zombies immediately go in for uh, a horse snack. Maybe they're French, these zombies? We? <laughs> uh, oui. Oh, you said we. Oui. That's funny. Oh, uh, We've got another comment from our uh, listener, Chris Moses. He, he said, any animal violence makes me a bit uneasy. I don't begrudge the show for showing it or showing too much or anything like that. I just personally could not enjoy it uh, on any level, even though this is horrifying times, see, level violence they're aiming for. So what did you guys think of the level of gore with the horse? I didn't think it was too overplayed. I mean, I kind of wanted to see it. It was one of those things I was looking forward to in a, this is going to be so messed up, I have to see it since. But what did you guys else think? I don't think we were meant to enjoy it. I thought it was pretty timid overall. I mean, yeah, they knocked the horse over. Yeah, they're gathered around the horse. And then at the end... 
you know, they're they're handing out pieces of it, but we never see like Saito horse that's you know ripped open. You know, it's not like well, we see. you do a little bit. Yeah, but but, it, but they're kind of blocking it because there's so many zombies around. Right, they, they block right. the action, and it's not like we see you know the head. Screen, you know, screaming out and jumping ab- above the rest of them while they're, you know, digging into them. So I thought it was. Oh, that would be um, terrible. Yeah, it was horrible. I mean, you know, the scene in The Godfather was, you know, a hundred times worse than this. I, I thought because I, I guess in my mind I was able to kind of separate them. You know, I, I just we saw the entrails in the in in the innards, so to speak, the context of the gr- of the bigger animal. So it, I, I guess it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would huh? or should. It didn't bother me at all, again, you know, desensitized and all, but it's a zombie show. I mean, this is what I was expecting. I mean, you know, I wasn't hoping that they would cut away from all of the good violence. I didn't know what they'd get away with on AMC, but I'm I'm happy with it. I could have sworn I heard this. Cookies! Um, um, um. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Horse cookies sound disgusting. Now, did they hit the music while the horse was being eaten? Or is that, I guess that's after the next part we're going to After the next part. Yeah. They seem to really downplay the music if they had any at all during any scenes with violence, which I thought was a really cool choice. They let the, the zombies and, and the, the zombie moans kind of be the underscore for that. It was a very interesting choice. I liked it. All right, guys, we're in the home stretch. Rick's on the ground. He's surrounded by zombies. He sees a tank. He immediately crawls over to the tank. You know, where else are you going to go? Some zombies fall, you know, they fall down to the ground. They start climbing under towards him. He pops a few zombies with the, you know, bullets left in his gun. And he realizes it's, it's uh, hopeless because they're coming at him from all directions. He rolls over on his back. And he says, sorry, Lori and Carl. He's just about to kill himself when he notices the hatch in the bottom of the tank is open. He immediately gets up, crawls up into the tank, shuts the hatch behind him. And he collapses. He's out of breath. He ends up next to a a dead soldier in the tank, looks over, sees him there, notices a gun in his holster. He reaches over, pulls the gun out of the dead guy's holster. All of a sudden, we realize it's a zombie soldier. He wakes up. Rick notices, obviously, this guy's still, you know, a zombie. I need to deal with it. Shoots him. Very loud. The Obviously, the sound ricochets, you know, big time in here. And I'm wondering, guys, at this point, why did they go to such pains to make us as viewers aware that the gunshot was really loud in this tank and it hurt Rick's ears? Maybe just to keep pounding in the consequences matter in this show. I, I if you think do something it, stupid, you're going to pay for it. Yeah, I think it adds to the chaos and to the um, to the sense that Rick is really in a jam, um, and he he reacted. He didn't think. I mean, not that he had a whole lot of choice, but I think I think it it helps. You've got chaos on the inside. You got chaos on the outside. I th- I think it was. I, I I thought it was extremely well done. Uh, yeah, uh, I can buy that. I I like that. I like that. Also, when we get into the next little bit, um, that I'm sure you're gonna get to in just a second. There's the sense of if you haven't read the book, is this real? Is he really getting contacted on the radio? What's going on here? So he's recovering from this loud gunshot. He looks up, notices the top of the tank is open. He crawls up out of the tank, sees zombies everywhere. They're all over. They're eating the horse. They're walking all over the place. He sees his bag of guns laying on the street very much out of his reach. And then we get a shot of Buster. Buster sees him. 
looks at Rick. I thought that was cool that we see that that same zombie again. So that's that's what's telling me we may actually yeah. see this this zombie again, and that's why I felt like I needed to name him. We need to make T-shirts and buttons really fast. Yes, yeah. Buster. Somebody retweet that immediately. <laughs> uh, the zombies see Rick. They start crawling up the tank. He realizes there ain't no getting out of this. He goes back in the tank, closes the hatch. He picks the gun up. He checks the bullets. He sits there wondering, obviously, what am I going to do now? All of a sudden, the radio starts crackling, comes to life. He turns and looks. A voice comes over the radio. Hey, you. Hey, dumbass, you in the tank. Cozy in there? Rick can't believe what he's hearing. Somebody's out there. He's not alone. Then we cut to this, the last shot of the, of the episode. Great bird's eye view of the tank and the horse. It's, it's uh, just got the, the two of those things in the, in the frame. And as, it, as the camera moves up, 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 the shot gets wider. And you just see downtown Atlanta just overrun by hundreds and hundreds of zombies. And this is the last time I say it in this episode, I swear, but I love the scope. Just that that slow pull out of here's a little violence. Here's some more zombies. Here's some more. Here's some more. Holy crap, can you believe we're getting away with this on television? There's like 400 zombies in the frame. And I'm sure some of them are, are doubled and stuff, but oh, it's so, it's crazy. That looks so awesome. Yeah, it's a great shot. Slowly fades up and fades to black. End of episode. I think at that point is when I started breathing again. <laughs> <laughs> and after 67 minutes, he was all blue in the face. It was terrible. What, what a great finish. I mean, cliffhangers. How is he getting out of this? Who's talking to him on the, on the CB or, or, or whatever you call it in a tank? And, you know, just a, just a great way to end a great show. I mean. Is there anybody who watches this episode to the end who doesn't come back the next week? Oh gosh, I, 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 I don't know see how you wouldn't unless unless you're just repulsed by the level of violence and gore that AMC is getting away with. I don't know how you would not come back. Such a great ending, Especially you know. And I, I realize that we have to make this disclaimer that yeah, obviously we love the show, and I think it it probably has to do with the fact that this is one of all of our most favorite comic books that's ever been published. Right, so, and I was just about to say, Brad, that it's also the genre. I mean, if you're listen, if you're a big fan of zombie movies and you tune in, you probably loved it. I mean, how many people that looked at the promos and said, "Wow, I've never really ever liked any zombie stuff at all," you know, watched. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a certain level of expectation, and you get what you you get what you came for. I could count the number of zombie movies I've seen on one hand. Oh, not me. Do you have a hand with 11 fingers or something? <laughs> Do you oh. have a freak hand, Brad? I've, I've literally have seen no more than five zombie movies in my entire life. Okay, but you have the comic connection. You know, yes, obviously. and that's what I'm saying. I love the comic, so obviously I'm going to watch this. And it's faithful to the comic, and I'm trying to disassociate my comic book self with the TV viewer that I am. And I, I'm trying to be really objective when I watch the show. I wish I had ten fingers on my left hand so my right hand could be a fist. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had more middle fingers. Um, it, I would like to. I'd like to make a, a request for anybody that ends up listening to this podcast who is a new viewer that has never 
read the comic, you know, let us know what you think. Like or dislike, I promise we'll, yes. we'll read it, we'll play it, whatever. I, I'd like to hear the opinions of somebody walking in cold. And I guess if and you please also send us five dollars, we right. really could use five dollars. <laughs> and if you if you walked in cold and you didn't like it, you probably didn't go ahead and find a podcast about it to download <laughs> on iTunes or the Walking Dead TV uh, website. But if there's somebody out there, you know, that just had no knowledge of it walking in, and you know, just give us your opinion. Yeah, I'm really curious about the unbiased opinion because I think. That's a situation that none of us are in. We're, we all are going to bring bias to this to the show, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, and it, and it's going to be hard to separate that because we're going to there's going to be things we know that are going to be coming. There's things that they're going to allude to that we can see, you know, five miles down. So I am I am in all sincerity really curious for people that 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 like John said haven't read the comic that are that are just coming in the show and find out what they think. Um, and, and maybe, you know, some predictions or, you know, things like that. I think that would be really, really interesting. And I watched the pilot with two buddies of mine who are actually in the other room right now, but I can attest they both really enjoyed it having never read the comics. So, uh, and granted they both like zombie stuff, but that's very good to hear. I want to hear from more people. Let us know. know, And I, I think all of us are, I think we know well enough, uh, each other well enough to, to be able to say about anybody, uh, you know, in the virtual room that we're in right now, that if we see something we don't like, we're going to say we didn't like it. We're not oh, going to be uh, Walking Dead ap- apologists. You know, If something pisses me off about the show, I'm sure as heck going to say something about it. But and if so you don't far, believe awesome. him, check out his thoughts on uh, Spider-Man in the last few years. <laughs> oh, stop. Well, one thing I'd like um, to throw in before we wrap up or, or, or move on. Uh, the really cool song at the end as they fade out is Space Junk by Wang Chung, believe it or not. And I'm either going to leave you with that song or Everybody Have Fun Tonight by Wang Chung. I have not decided yet. <laughs> it's a treat either way. I say, I say play the, the Space Junk. Was it Space Junk? Is that what it's called? We actually left with Space Junk last episode because I had read some oh. blogs um, – saying what the ending and opening songs were and everything like that, but we can do it again, or we can play Everybody Have Fun tonight. Yeah, let's Wang Chung tonight. <laughs> Speaking of things we right, didn't so- like, and, and not, to, not to harp on them, but one thing I didn't love about the episode, uh, the scene where Rick is under the tank, and he puts the gun to his head, and he's going to kill himself, and then he notices the hatch and jumps in, happens way too quick. There's almost no time for you to realize, for, there's no realization that comes across his face he just rolls over with the gun to his head and immediately jumps up i thought they could have dragged that out a few more seconds but that's like my only complaint see i wasn't sure if that's what they were doing or if he just kind of put his head gun up to his head like oh crap what do i do like he's almost like thinking or something well he did say out loud out loud he said i'm sorry carl i'm sorry oh that's true yeah and he only had one bullet left ah good point I, I think it was just a case where they probably rehearsed it too many times, and so he knew every beat he needed to go through, and so he just did them a tad fast. But it was still a really cool idea. I didn't know tanks had hatches on the bottom. If that's all you have to complain about, then then I think the show has some promise. Oh, definitely, definitely. Not not a complaint other than that, and the one thing I said earlier, which is also minor, but so minor I don't even remember what it was now. I can't wait for next week. Gosh, I can't wait for next week. All right. So I think we're going to do some reviews real quickly. 
Uh, we had some more great reviews on iTunes. I'm not going to call them five-star reviews anymore. They all happen to be five stars, but I don't want to make it seem like we're only going to read five-star reviews. So I'm going to read some cool iTunes reviews. Uh, Renee, Darth BX, our buddy that left a voicemail, says, Great podcast, and the show hasn't started yet. Speaking for those of us who don't have cable TV, this is going to be a great way to get a taste of the show. The panel episode from New York Comic Con is stellar. Can't wait for more. Five stars. That's very interesting. I have never heard of a person who can't or or hasn't watched the show that actually uses one of our in-depth reviews to watch it for them. I don't think I could do that. The only thing I can think of even similar is I once listened to a podcast that was like an hour and a half all about the Battlestar Galactica finale before I'd seen any of the show. Um, so it was confusing. I'll tell you that much for sure. But I think this will be slightly less involving angels and Cylons than that show did. <laughs> well, thanks to Renee again for the voicemail and the review. Uh, we have one from Peter Roy or Peter Waugh if he's French. Uh, if you are into The Walking Dead and you are, like most of us, waiting for the show to kick off, this is the podcast for you. Great audio from the panel at New York Comic Con. As an American living in Germany and cut off from most American culture, this podcast has kept me hyped up waiting for the show to kick off. Great podcast. You guys rule. Peter Roy, go, our Peter. first German listener, as far as I know. wonder how yes. he found out about the show. I'm guessing Internet, iTunes. probably? Yeah, the interwebs. Uh, I, I hear they have that pigeon. in Germany now since the wall fell. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the other thing. If you leave us a voicemail, tell us how you found the show. I'm always curious, just logistically, like how do people find us and and you know where? How do they how do they get to us? An, a review from the Pamp, who another uh, who left a voicemail as well. Uh, just like their other podcasts, the LOD and Half Hour Wasted, of course, Brad handled the subject matter with great care and expertise. I look forward to their take on my favorite movies, comics, and shows. The fact. That it's a comic I love and a show I'm looking forward to makes it even better. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you, Mr. Pamp. Uh, and from Spats33, excellent show. Great podcast by great podcasters. They're making me look forward to the show even more than I already was. I'm sure they'll provide an excellent forum to look more closely at each episode as they air. Real funny story, real quick. Spats wanted to purchase something from the garage sale that we're running and sent me his mailing address, and he is from the town that I grew up in and that I teach in. <laughs> small. How funny. Small world. Crazy. Very. So that's it. We thank everybody for the iTunes reviews. They're working wonders. We're climbing the iTunes charts every day. We're very close to making a big splash, like on the front iTunes page. So if you're digging our stuff, please take two seconds in iTunes, drop off a couple of stars, write a review. We really appreciate it, and it helps out a lot. We've had a lot of uh, new Twitter followers coming up uh, recently, too. That's, that's, uh, I always find that fascinating, that yeah. somebody actually wants to read a tweet from you or I yeah. or anyone. And, and like we said, we'd really like to incorporate the tweets later on in the season as we're recording a little bit later in the week and we'll have time to get responses from people that have watched the episodes. Twitter's the way to go. So at, Is that our Tweeting Dead segment? Yes, the Tweeting Dead. You want to do that sound for me? What sound? 
we did the lost sound last time for the tweeting dead. Okay, forget it. Yeah, sorry. Um, so anyway, uh, at WDTV Podcast is our Twitter. Please follow. Say hi. Uh, I'm going to leave you now with Jordan, who is going to do some really big stuff. Yes, let's get right into our awesome contest giveaway with Media Junkyard Podcast, which you can find at MediaJunkyard.com. All right, I'm now joined by Chris and Robin from Media Junkyard Podcast, which you can find at MediaJunkyard.com. How are you guys doing? Good. Hello. Happy Halloween, by the way, or I guess day after Halloween. That's true, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, by the time anybody hears this, will be the day after Halloween. But uh, so we had our Hey, podcast. how about November, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so... Uh, we had a contest with Media Junkyard to win. Well, actually, Chris, why don't you list off the prizes for everybody? Sure. Uh, let me just swivel so I can go see them in the corner of my eye. Um, it's books one through six of The Walking Dead. So it's trades one through 72. Um, a pack of the Zombie Survival Guide uh, flashcards. And a set of Walking Dead word magnets. Very, very and a set of steak knives. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so we had a contest with Media Junkyard where you had to send in a picture of yourself in your best zombie pose. We got a bunch of entries. We just spent some time pouring over them to decide which one we liked the most. And gentlemen, who did we pick? Uh, we went with Saul. Saul's picture, uh, <laughs> very simple. <laughs> But it was him eating a piece of ham with a very zombie-like gaze in his eyes in a very clean kitchen. And clean kitchens get you points. Um, <laughs> Robin was very proud of the club. Yeah, way to go on that house cleaning there. It was good. So not only did he have ham, but since AMC also has ham, we thought it was some nice synergy there with John Ham. Boom. <laughs> Sold. So, so, Saul, you're going to need to email contest at walkingdeadtv.com once again just to claim your prize, and we'll get that all sent out to you. So congratulations, and thank you to all the entrants. They were all great, and uh, can't wait to do this again. Yeah, man. It was, it was a tough job trying to figure out who was going to win. Yeah, there's a, a lot, lot of, of great entries. entries. Yeah, and it came down to the wire. But uh, thanks, everybody, and uh, have a happy Halloween. Okay, thanks to the Media Junkyard guys for helping us out with that contest. That was really awesome. Uh, we hope you enjoy your prize there, and uh, let's get on to the end of the show. I wanted those damn books. <laughs> Don't you we already have them all? Books. I currently just have the compendium. I've decided to go that route. I have the first five hardcovers, and I'm this close to picking up number six. And you know what? I have all 12 of the existing trade paperbacks. Maybe sometime down the road, they might find themselves uh, on their way to a listener as a contest prize or something. Hey, yo. We Sweet. now have that on tape, so you're going to have to come through. Oh, I will. I don't need more than one copy of stuff. No, I'm good. It'll be a cool prize I'd like to give them away because I think the first six or seven, maybe even eight of them are signed by Robert Kirkman. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. Doesn't he do little uh, zombie sketches usually? I guess he maybe did. You had to ask him. He does. I believe he did in the. Um, I know for a fact he did a zombie sketch in my first in my volume one hardcover, 
but and he did all of those and my trades at once. So I think he may just do like one zombie drawing per signing per person per customer whatever right but uh yeah i have seen other people's trades with the little zombie heads in them yes i i got in line twice so <laughs> it's funny because i had volume one i brought it with me he signed and doodled in it and then i went to i guess it was zeus brad that's right over there is it zeus yeah that's right that yeah that was yeah. um that was at cape uh back in 2000 cape. back in back in aught eight about eight, yeah. So I went and got volume two. They didn't have volume three. I was going to get two and three. So I got volume two, and then he signed and doodled in that, and then sat and, and we yacked for probably a good 30, 45 minutes or so. All right, Jordan, I got to go to bed. Yeah, me too. Bring it home. I may just pull an all-nighter. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope everyone had a great Halloween. We hope everyone had a safe Halloween as well, and we hope everyone really enjoyed the first episode of The Walking Dead on AMC. And our first episode-specific episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast. Remember, you can find the show at walkingdeadtv.com. You can find us on iTunes. Please subscribe. Please leave us five-star reviews. And, uh, yeah, just tell your friends. We'd really appreciate that. You can call our voicemail line at 516-468-7912. And you can follow us on Twitter at WDTVpodcast. So have a great night. And remember, until there's no room left in hell and zombies walk the earth, you might not love Lori now, but I can't really say that's going to get any better as the show goes along. So uh, good luck on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good morning. Brains. Brains.